This is the Randomer Nintendo Podcast for January 15, 2023. I am Kevin, and to my virtual left, as always, is Jason. Hello from a soggy Los Angeles. Well, I mean, you're here too, but... but yeah, I've... and to my virtual right is uh, no one, because Angel is uh, MIA. He's gone AWOL, folks. Uh, don't remember the last time I talked to him. When's the last time you talked to him? Um... Recently, so he's not totally AWOL. Huh. Yeah. The, the problem is, well, it depends on how you describe AWOL, doesn't it? Because he's AWOL from our humble little show. I feel like we're back in the JK with Jason and Kevin day, the one day we did that. But he is gorging. He is having a mouthful mode of car Kirby, literally. I think he was at Kirby Cafe last I heard. So he's alive. He's just in a different country. Yeah. Uh, Angel is in, <laughs> <Yeah>. Angel's in Japan. <laughs> Yeah, I, I just jealous. really wanted to say the line of he had a mouthful mode of car Kirby because they have edible car Kirby's at that cafe. So I had to I had to kill your joke so I could say my dumb line. I'm sorry. No, it's it's fine. I'm <laughs> I'm very I'm very jealous that he's in Japan. I'm super uh, jealous. I'm be he's going to Nintendo World like any day now. I'm very jealous. I have to wait till it's open here and then wait till the crowds die down. So yeah, he's I recently just came back from Kansas City and so Japan and Kansas City. Very, exactly very the same. different. Exactly the same. What are you talking about? Exactly the same. <laughs> no, I mean, totally maybe, maybe, maybe in terms of how cold it is, because, man, was it freezing in, in Kansas City. How bad was it out there? Like, what are we talking single digit, negative? Friday, I think it was in the low 20s. Okay, that counts. For, Which, for LA folk I'm like from the us, West Coast. Yeah. yeah like for LA 60 folk is like too us. low for us. 60 yeah, exactly. is, is way too low for us. 60 is you got to be wearing one of those North Face, like, parka jackets. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, so that was fun. Uh, Did you have – Kansas State has pretty good barbecue, right? Like that's one of the things they're known for. Did you have any? So everybody kept telling me like, oh, Kansas is known for its really good barbecue. That was the first time that I've ever heard that Kansas was known for its barbecue. I've known forever that Texas was known for its barbecue. Right. We have um, eaten said Especially barbecue. Austin. Yes, yes exactly. Yes. And, and Texas barbecue, very, very good. Um, but, yes, like, I did have, I did mm-hmm. have barbecue in Kansas City. And I'm guessing, based on how you framed this, it did not live up to the Austin barbecue. No, no, no. Don't get me wrong. It was delicious. Um, I went to this place called Q39. Um, mm-hmm. It was me and seven other people. We got a reservation. And I got their brisket platter, which was brisket and something called burnt ends, which I don't know if like the L.A. barbecue scene or even the Austin barbecue scene does. I don't know. I mean, it, I'm guessing it's just the ends of the meat that they let get a little charred. They get a little exactly, yeah. yeah. And it was very, very delicious. Like it was great. Paired it with a uh, with a nice IPA. I'm not really a fan of IPAs, but um, I forgot what it was. It was from this uh, brewery called Boulevard. Was it called Boulevard? Yeah, Boulevard Brewery. Really, really good. Local um, to Kansas City, I'm guessing. I believe so. Nice, because nice. The, every the single bar. Yeah, every single bar that we would go to uh, had it on draft. So, Oh, yeah, that's definitely local. Yeah. So, okay, well, then comes the big question. Which do you rank higher? And have you ever been to Tennessee and had barbecue in Memphis and or Nashville? Because that's also different than the other two. I I have been to Tennessee, but I haven't been to either Memphis or Nashville, so I haven't had their barbecue. Um, But as far as barbecue goes, so far nothing has been able to beat Austin barbecue. Austin, Texas barbecue. We have a couple of barbecue places here in Los Angeles. Uh, 
What's that one place that we went to with Victor? Were you even there for? I don't think I you don't were think there. I was there for that. No, but I, I know there's Moose like Blood Craft Barbecue. What's it called? Blood Moose Craft Barbecue. Hmm. Yeah, I have not been there. And then we used to have Bloodsos. Yeah, I've had in Compton, and then I'm not gonna say that they sold out, but like the only barbecue Bloodsos that is in LA, I think, is in like Hollywood or West L- West LA. I There's don't one next to LAX now too, at like a food court there. Um, oh. I had it once, and uh, they undercooked my meat so much that I could. I think I did like um, what's the one that has to sit for a really long time? Not prime rib. Um, you know, the one that they had to, like, leave out for, like, 36 hours or whatever. It it was – I couldn't cut it. <laughs> it was too rubbery because it was undercooked, and they were – like, they oh, couldn't wow. understand what the problem was. So I'm sure it was a fluke. I'm sure Bloodsos in general is very good, but, yeah. Uh, yeah, I did have some of the Bloodsos, the one that was in Compton, which was the original location. Mm-hmm. And I can't really tell you how it was because it was just slathered in barbecue sauce. Oh, sure, yeah. So, you know, meat has to be – not necessarily enjoyed it on its own, but at least barbecue should be able to stand on its own. Yes, I agree. Um, you know. I don't know if it's the best barbecue I've ever had, but I always have a special place in my heart for when I was in Memphis for work once, when I used to have to go out there for work. Um, my hotel was next door to, I think it was called Rendezvous. Um, and it's a local bar, a barbecue place in Memphis. Like anyone that goes through Memphis that's of any notoriety, like, you know, presidents or leaders or whatever, always stop there. Which I didn't know until I was there. I saw the pictures on the wall. I'm like, oh, this is like a place. But they had incredibly good dry rub ribs. And that's the first time I ever had dry rub. And I swear, like, and this is what's so amazing about barbecue is it's so different in presentation, not just in ways you can make it, but like by city, by region. But yeah, that mm-hmm. dry rub in Memphis was the best ribs I've ever had and will probably remain till I die the best ribs I've ever had, unless somehow someone can top it. But it was so good. Nice. Um... Yeah. What was what's that one place in Austin that people like line up for? Uh, Prin- is it Prince's or is that the one we went to? No, not Prince's. Um, um, is Prince's even the name of a place? I just make that up. Let me look at. I place. don't. I don't know. I don't know what Prince's is. To be, I think Prince's actually is the other barbecue place in Memphis that is supposedly the better of the two. But I'm just saying, Rendezvous is better. So if you're ever in Memphis randomly, listeners. Oh, Franklin's. <laughs> Franklin's, right? right Franklin's, right. yeah. Franklin's had. We pre-ordered our Franklin's uh, because we did a road trip to Austin, mm-hmm. um, and so we pre-ordered it, so all, we didn't have to wait in line. We just had to pick it up, and it was a day where they had their uh, their beef ribs, mm-hmm. and man, a good beef rib is on par to, I would say, Wagyu, personally. Yeah, I, I it, it can... That's what's fine. Is I think, like, it depends on how you define it. Like, is it, like, oh, the chewiness or the flavor? I would say flavor-wise, yeah. It probably is right there. Um, mm-hmm. I completely agree. Uh, I'm trying to remember the name of the place we had in Austin when I went later than you after your road trip. I can't remember. It was, this, like, the runner-up barbecue place that you don't have to pre-order. But it was also very good. Um, it's escaping me. But, yeah, it, it's so funny. Like, I didn't, you don't really think about it. Like, I guess some people do. I never really think about it. But barbecue is such, like, an Americana, like staple in the way that it oh, really represents its region and like it's it's really like food guys like i'm getting all heady about this but like food is kind of cool and how it can like really represent specific like kansas city versus austin versus memphis versus la yeah it's it's all very different you could do a road trip of just barbecue joints and have an amazing time and completely different flavors every step of the way i agree 
Yeah. Oh, well, you had that delicious barbecue, by the way. Just complete coincidence. Two nights ago, I went to Lucille's, which is oh, like okay. – yeah. it's still which good, is, but, you know, it's yeah. like, oh, I had – I went to New England. I had the best clam chowder and the best lobster. Yeah, I went to Red Lobster and had some biscuits and some lobster. Like it's like that yeah. kind of comparison. But no, it was – I'm right there with you on the barbecue train, especially in like rainy, cold weather. Like it's so warm and yeah, it's nice. It, yeah, it's it's very much – like comfort food, especially 100%. because like when you get it with like sides with like a either like a potato salad or a coleslaw or or like mac, and, like cheese, mac and cheese, baked beans, yeah. like yeah, load, like you're, loaded you're, mashed potatoes, yeah, yeah, you're just in a food coma right after, and it's just like uh, you could easily just go to sleep because that's how that's how Holy. comforted you are by it, yeah. and that's one of the things that we are missing in like I feel like L A. and even I'd say most major like L A. New York like big say Chicago like like barbecue we can sometimes get but like southern comfort like soul food it can be really hard to come by out here and it's always so good there's a place that used to be not far from here um they moved further out of the delivery zone for uber eats which was sad but um it was really good but i could tell eating it like this you know if i went to new orleans or something like the quality would be through the roof by compare it's like getting sushi in japan versus getting sushi in la like there's just it's oh just another yeah. level yeah like something that I th- i think we might have already said it here but like ichiran which is like Sort of like the McDonald's of suit of uh, ramen in Japan. Yeah. It's like just 10 times kicks better than the here. ass <laughs> out of yeah. like the premium sushi that we have here. It's insane. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's like night and day. And like I only recently, I'd say in the last couple of years, really discovered Sugarfish here in LA. If anyone, you know, yes. is coming out to LA and is looking at like best restaurants, like Sugarfish is always on the list of like, oh, the best sushi in LA because it is very, I forgot the style they do it in, but basically the chef tells you what you're like you can say trust me and then the chef just brings you what he wants to make for that day mm-hmm. and it's like two or three pieces of each type and it's like six, six courses or something and it's really good and it's like melt in your mouth like buttery but it's still not as good as just like the cheap stuff you can get in japan on some random street corner like in a whatever yeah, restaurant exactly. you just have to stumble yeah, it's into insane. yeah it's night and day which is probably like you've been to new york which i assume mm-hmm. is just like pizza essentially like yeah well it's funny because pizza like their cheaper stuff is probably better than like some of our good stuff oh yeah for sure for sure it's funny because there's like this whole debate of what is the best pizza in new york um and everyone be like oh it's i think the name was joe's pizza so now there's like a million different joe's pizzas and you don't really know which is the best pizza but you can't really go wrong like they're all pretty good just if you avoid like a sabaro or like a chain you're pretty much okay and there's even a place i walked past when i was there a couple months ago is 99 cent slices after, like every Thursday or something, I was like, "There's no way it's good." But one well, of my friends who lives there swears by it. Like, yeah, no, it's like ninety nine cents. It's cheap ingredients. It's cheap pizza, but way better than anything you'll get in L A. So yeah, it's mm-hmm. every you know every. Pl- I don't even know what L A. special. I guess we have really good Mexican food. Is probably it honestly? Because like if you try yeah, to get a burrito in New York, whew, it's not. They like they don't know what they're. They know they have the ingredients. If you get, uh, I'm sure there's exceptions to the rules in New York, but for the most part, if you try and get a burrito in New York, they have the ingredients. Like they have rice, they have black beans, they have meat, but it's just like going down a shopping list of, okay, I got a bag of rice. Not like necessarily the right rice or prepared the right way. It's just, here's some rice. And it just, it doesn't like mesh together like it should out here. You know what I mean? Like it doesn't, they don't complement your mm-hmm. rice. It's just like a, it just, it tastes like the sum of it, like its parts instead of the sum of its parts. So. Don't get Mexican in New York is all I'm saying. No offense to any locals over there who make really good Mexican food, but from my experience as of Angelino, steer clear. Are you upset uh, hmm. going off of food? Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. As much as I would, I would talk food forever, I, I can eat. 
Yeah. Um, this make me hungry, to be honest. And we're recording uh, early by our standards. Yeah, it's I gotta, dinner time, and we're like, oh. Like, <laughs> I got to start thinking of what I'm going to, like, like uh, Uber Eats. <laughs> yeah, same, because right I'm not going out right in this rain. This. It's pouring you know. in L.A. right now. Yeah. Yeah, which, of course, it, of course it is. Mm-hmm. Um, are you upset that you aren't at the technical rehearsal for Super Mario World today? <sighs> it not, well, not only today. It's, like, the next month. Um, I am and I'm not. So what I do want to avoid is it being so jam-packed with people that I can't actually do the power-up band experience what it's like to, like, live in a Mario world or whatever. So I'm, I'm fine looking, with missing the grand opening. I'm looking the te- at the yeah. technical, like, people at the technical rehearsals. And like, like Jeff Keighley the other day. Yeah. Like, people are just, there's barely people there. I know. And that's what, but so that's what kind of bums me out. of the rain. Right. And it kind of bums me out that there's not a lot, that that's the opportunity to see it when it's pretty empty. But on the flip side, I was reading the stipulations for a technical rehearsal because I was debating getting an annual pass just to get in. Uh, I mm-hmm. still got an annual pass because, pro tip, if you're coming to LA, Super Nintendo World, um, it's like a $40 difference between one day and endless days, or at least like multiple days. So consider it if you're here long enough to make it worth your while or if you live here. But, um, like you obviously live here. But uh, I think the thing that I was reading in stipulations is like it could stop and start randomly. The rides may not make it all the way through. The costume characters may have to like <laughs> nothing works because it's a rehearsal. Nothing's promised. Right. So I was like, well, do I want a slightly more crowded like proper experience or do I want to be the first in the door but have it be a little weird? And I think if I didn't. I think you come out of it the... with more stories when yeah. you go to it when it's a little bit weird though. Yeah, and I think if it didn't have the bad weather and if – because Angel and I made a pact, which he broke because he's going to the Japanese Nintendo World, like, literally as we speak probably. Well, um, but we the made, Japanese one. What? Well, I mean, he's going to the Japanese one. Yeah, yeah, but we made a pact of, Different. like, we'll go – yeah, now we've already smoothed that out. But we, we made a pact that we'll go to Nintendo World for the first time together. And, yeah, he's doing the Japanese one, so it's a little different. But knowing he's in Japan right now and the technical rehearsals are here and if he comes back – a, he'd have to buy an annual pass and sign up, and B, go to Nintendo World twice in like two weeks, essentially. I was kind of like, you know what? I'll as much as I like being the first in the door and an early adopter of Nintendo things, I'll I'll just go in like March. It'll be a little calmer. It'll still be fresh. Won't have rain. Hopefully, won't have the screw ups. The ride won't stop in the middle. So I'm I'm okay with it. This is me reconciling to myself with it. Is what it really is. But yeah, I, I mean, just did, hear did, a lot. I just hear a lot of copium. Correct. <laughs> would would you have gone to a technical rehearsal if you like had the heads up about it? Uh, yeah, I probably would have. Just you know, if it's like I said, going to a technical rehearsal, you'll probably get some more stories out of it than just yeah. going when everything is going according to plan. Like, like going in, like, oh, did you hear the the PD Piranha fell on some like three year old kid, right? Like, <laughs> yeah, oh, that Koopa yeah. shell just plowed over ten people and they went flying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah the, the, the LAFD came because you know <laughs> someone got stuck Goomba, up on the hill with the Goomba. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, and it exploded at the same time. It was crazy, you know. So, <laughs> well, did you know actually at the Japanese one, um, they had a tower of Goombas, like you know, like Mario three D World. There's like the walking tower right. of them. The mm-hmm. tower of Goombas tipped over and fell. Like, full on, like... Did it hit anybody? I th- I don't know if anyone got seriously injured, I think is how they reported it. So maybe, but maybe it's just like, oh, a Goomba fell on me. Not like, oh, a Goomba fell on me. But, um, yeah, it, like, completely toppled over. And this is right around the time that Nintendo is introducing Dr. Goomba Tower to Dr. Mario World as an actual character. 
So I remember some people were like, oh, this must be viral marketing. Like they must have planned the fall and made sure it was clear. And I'm like, that's the dumbest marketing I've ever heard if that was the case. We almost killed yeah. someone. So here's a doctor who can fix them. Like, I guess. But no, mm -hmm. there's no way. No, um, not at all. Yeah. But I am very excited to go. I think, I think this year for Nintendo is a really interesting year because it's like so many new frontiers that are really big deals all happening very close together because you got – you know, Nintendo World in February and then the Mario movie in March. And then you got the first, the longest gap we've had in Zelda releases in a really long time in May. Like, it's just like boom, 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 which for the first half of a year is very atypical for Nintendo, I feel like. Usually they're quieter in the first half. So it's exciting. It's fun to be, like, just be a fan at the moment. Actually, more than just Nintendo. I'd say it for all video games. I mean, the fact that Last of Us is getting reviews as being, like, the first, like, prestige TV based on a video game that will actually, like, review well. Uh -huh. Or even be prestige TV. Like, there's a, it's a cool moment to be a gamer. Like, there's so much going on beyond just, like, the, the core of what gaming was and, like, how it's sort of taking over the entire pop culture right now. It's really fun. Yeah. yeah. It's, uh, can't, can't wait to see that. And I'm sure we will probably talk about it here. Yeah. Once... I'm planning to watch it even though I've never played the game as a Nintendo fanboy. But, no, I am very curious. Um, I mean, Pedro Pascal's great in general. I think I'm a fan of his. Uh -huh. But also just to see them put this much heart and soul into adapting a game into a TV series to have Neil Druckmann involved to have every episode cost more than a Game of Thrones episode I read somewhere like they, they really put effort into this I, I want to at least reward it with my eyeballs whether or not it ends up being good we'll see but it seems like it will be yeah um cool yeah so shall we get into the uh meat and potatoes episode yeah, sure. I mean, right, because after you have meat, you need your side of potatoes. So, oh, wait, you said meat and potatoes. The joke almost yeah. worked. Barbecue is my joke. <laughs> yeah, yes, so, we should. Yes. so let's get into the brisket and baked beans of the episode. Of May. Yes, or the mac and cheese, depending on your prep. Or or collard greens, if you really want to stay true to the South. I've, yeah. I've never had collard greens. What are collard greens? I don't know what they are, but I enjoy them when I eat them. They're just greens that are cooked with, sometimes with bacon bits. Um, I, I really don't know what they are. They're like sort of, there's some liquid in there. <laughs> I, I don't know. I don't know. Mm. I'm kind of this wondering what I'm eating. Mushy. Yeah. There's collard greens and there's like, um, there's another word for it. I forgot what it is, but yeah. I'm not a fan of, not a fan of wet vegetables or like wet lettuce. Not a oh, fan okay. You wouldn't like it. Yeah. Like I, I can do like, you know, like spinach and stuff just fine. So this is just like a little more than that. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, let's um, get into the collard greens of the episode or the mac yeah. and cheese. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, I you mind if I start first? By all means, go for it. Um. So a few on? episodes ago, we did a fun little exercise where myself, Angel, rest in peace, and you, Jason. <laughs> yes. Uh, we all watched the first episode of six different anime. Right. That premiered that, that in the fall twenty two. In the fall, uh. 22 well i guess yeah fall 22 season yeah, like fall yeah it would be fall yeah we yeah didn't do it till like uh, december but it was from fall yes yes technically all those anime were from the fall season so yeah even though we we saw it in december um so those were uh my hero academia season six mm -hmm. mob cycle 103 bleach thousand year blood war blue lock chainsaw man and gundam the witch from mercury now, I don't want to speak for everybody, especially since Angel passed away, but I'm going to take a wild <laughs> swing here and guess that you didn't see anything past those first episodes. You are correct, I unfortunately. Figured. Yeah. 
I will say the soccer one. Uh, what was it called? Blue Lock? Lock Blue Lock. Whatever. Yeah, Blue Lock. It was the closest. And I was actually – I've had some downtime because, like, things are slow at the start of New Year. And I was thinking of going back. And then I saw some – either you said something here or you tweeted something. I, I, I was I'll, just I'll like, get oh. to it. I'll, yeah. yeah so I'll get, that I'll, which I would get to. So. Get okay. To uh-huh. Okay. Yeah. So uh, I did. I did continue seeing these, these animes. Uh, I'm going to guess that Angel – well, I know for a fact Angel – was going through uh, Mob Psycho 103 before uh, his accident. So his accident, his accident where he stepped onto a plane to another country by mistake. Yes, that accident. <laughs> yeah. Um, yep. So, like, I just want to do a quick recap of my mm-hmm. thoughts on the ones that uh, that we saw. Um, and this is a, and these are in no particular order that that I'm going to talk about, um, with the exception of the first one, which is Gundam: The Witch from uh, Mercury. Mm-hmm. I dropped it after like four episodes. It just didn't hold my interest, unfortunately. Was it just too I, tropey? Because I feel like we went in collectively feeling like it was following tropes a little too closely. Yes, especially like the the whole like new girl in school kind of yeah, tropes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's big there's big robots fighting, which is cool. Yeah, but like I like my Gundam when it's about teenagers having PTSD about fighting in an intergalactic space war with giant robots. Um, mm-hmm. and like we said, this one's set in the school, which is the complete opposite of that. You know. Yeah, totally. Yeah, this was almost like Harry Potter, but with robots in a to a degree. Like it was a Hogwartsy vibe. Mm-hmm. At least from what I remember. Yeah. Um, after that, uh, Bleach: The Thousand Year Blood War. Uh, it just a wonderful continuation of the Bleach series that I loved back ten years ago when it ended. Uh, it's Bleach at its best. The animation just stomps over the old series, which makes sense, right? Because this has ten more years of technology and right. and style. Uh, that you didn't have back then. Um, but the action just also blows anything that blew, you know, a Bleach fan's mind back in the day. You know, there's there's fights that I thought, oh, man, that looks so cool. No, this just destroys that. Um, and the next part actually comes out in July. So I'm excited about that. They're doing four different, uh, essentially, parts to this. So... I believe the first part was 10 episodes, and then the next 10 happened in July. The 10 after that will probably be sometime during the winter. I wouldn't be surprised. Sounds like someone was inspired by how Netflix divides up their seasons now. Yeah, it's very similar to what a lot of Netflix shows are doing. Oh, I mean, it's just what a lot of TV shows do. Cheer in general. Yeah, like the part one, part two. Yeah, like the... The mid-season breaks. Right. I guess Breaking Bad was really the trendsetter there. It was the first mm-hmm. biggie to do to split their season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, after that, Mop Psycho 103. This was the final season for this anime about a boy who literally explodes with emotion and his con man teacher just navigating life. And it was pretty much perfect. Uh, it's very... Huh. And, and this is sort of... a. Uh, the animation studio behind it is called Studio Bones. And oh, I've heard of them from you guys before, I think. I would, most likely. Like, I don't know yeah. where else you would do. Where else yeah, exactly. Would I was like, I've heard that. And I'm like, wait, probably from your mouth. So I don't know why I'm telling you this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Um, studio Bones got some extra budget for this, for some extra, like, you know, tender loving care because it's just beautiful. I you remember the opening the the very trippy one like yeah 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 I, that was mm-hmm. one of my I think one of my favorite openings of the bunch yeah 
yeah, it's just it's got a simplistic art style, but it leads to some of the best looking fluid animation I've ever seen in my life. Um, I'm sad to see it go, but I am glad that I was able to experience it, you know? Right, right. Um, that's the best way for something to end. Like, that's how I felt. It's not anime, obviously, but, like, I know you're a fan of it, too, which is why I'm re- referencing it. But that's kind of how I felt Mr. Robot. Like, it ended on its terms. Mm-hmm. And it ended peak, it peak. It was a peak ending when it shows at its best. So I can live with it being gone, but it's sad to see it go type of thing. Yeah. 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 So that's that's how I feel about my Psycho 103. Um, on the opposite side of the spectrum is Uh-oh. My Hero Academia Season 6. Um, this one hurts a little bit because after Season 4, about two years ago, I began reading the manga. And I knew that the season was going to adapt essentially what was the best arc so far in the story. Which is called the Paranormal Liberation War arc. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um. It's just this incredibly intense arc. It's it's a it's a war, you know, between the villains and the heroes. You know, this is this is a super. It, it, essentially, the the end game season. Yeah, right? I mean the the episode you guys had me watch felt like end game with me not if I didn't watch any of the movies before it. So it makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. So it was just incredibly disappointing when the season just didn't, or not even the season because the season's not over, but the first half of the season was dedicated to this arc. Mm-hmm. Um. It just didn't hit the highs that I wanted it to. It just wasn't as sort of, I don't know how to say this. It just wasn't as intense as I wanted it to be, mainly because the animation, I feel, was dropped here. Um, oh, interesting. And cra- crazily enough, this was animated by Studio Bones, so... I can see where the budget for Mob Psycho season <laughs> you can three see the went. Exact diversion of uh, resources. <laughs> yeah, and you know this is a very important arc. A lot of things, like the the ending of the arc, has a lot of consequences. And the last season had some really, really good animation. And last season, season five, was easily its worst season. So it doesn't make sense that at least this first half didn't get the love and attention that I feel like it should have. Um, that being said, this next half is adapting a really, really cool arc. And if we're basing the strength of the arcs based on their openings, this new opening has a very, very, very good opening. Probably the best opening that my heroes had in about three and a half seasons. Um, so maybe this is where it, maybe this is where they're going to put their budget into. Um, I would hope. Otherwise, season six will be a bit of a mixed bag for me. Mm-hmm. Um, where I really like the story that's being told. I'm just not liking how it's being shown. You know, because it's anime. It, it it's yeah, literally the, in the it, name in the word animation. You know. Yeah, the visuals I feel like make or break these shows to a large degree. Yeah, uh, yeah. the visuals can can like kill a really good story. Mm-hmm. Um, which I, eventually I'll talk about this other anime manga uh call it berserk uh once i get around to finishing that but um uh people who have seen berserk and especially its adaptation that came out not too long ago will know what i mean when it's like berserk is a very very good story and unfortunately the anime sucks so that's a bummer <laughs> that's like all yeah, the uh, netflix shows when they live action the animes and like the animes are good and then the netflix shows uh, don't even last 
the season. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I'll talk about Berserk on a future episode. Um, moving on to Blue Lock, which yes, I think coming out of our, I don't know what we want to call it, our anime watch. Our, like, yeah, like I don't know. I I guess anime. Yeah, anime watch works. I was trying to think of a clever name. You put me on spot. Yeah, no, yeah. anime watch yeah, works. Our know, anime our, our anime assessment for alliteration. Sure. Yeah, our AA meeting, our, anime assessment. Yeah, our AA meeting. Oh, yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> a- <R-A. laughs> we had our AA meeting on JK. Yes, we're full of these yeah. uh, acronyms that mean other things. Or not, yeah, um, acronyms. Blue Lock seemed to be sort of the like sleeper winner of the ones that we watched. Like mm-hmm. I really enjoyed it. You enjoyed it. I. If I remember correctly, Angel really enjoyed it as he well. He did, yeah. Yeah, and that was due to it being what we assumed was going to be like a Squid Game Battle Royale soccer show. Mm-hmm. And the first like the first episode had the participants of Blue Lock playing tag with a soccer ball. And the last person who got tagged would get eliminated and right. have their chances of being in Japan's national team just completely gone. Um, So I assume that that was going to be the rest of the show which would be following like a set of characters through these trials um and so far in its first half that hasn't happened at all as a matter of fact it goes sort of generic where characters are put into full teams of 10 and now you have team versus team just playing soccer wait Um, what yeah so was that like they made the pilot and then like the network notes were like, actually, this is too much like Squid Game. We need you to scale it back. Like, that's so weird because it was such a strong opening and such a clearly defined premise, I thought. Right. And don't get me wrong. Even though that this is happening, there are still like, you know, you are following the main character's team going up against other teams. And yeah, yeah. whoever's whoever's the lowest out of, you know, it, it's sort of like what the World Cup does with its uh, group stages mm-hmm. where you each team will play against each other at some point. And instead of the best team going on to like the next stage here, it's the best three or four teams get go on to the next stage and the, the worst team, they all get eliminated. Mm. Um, so, so there's so still the elimination. A... It's just not quite as cutthroat in the sense of the one V one V one V one V one. Sure. Sure. And, and you know, in the future, this might happen where, you know, they're doing challenges. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, I don't want to say I was duped, but it but just wasn't the show that I duped. thought. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but like that being said, the the characters and the animation were like strong enough that I just kept watching it. Mm-hmm. And even though I I still really enjoyed it, um, even though it sort of just turned into this oh soccer anime, it still does have this this undercurrent of you are looking out for yourself, even though you're on this team. There's there's a little bit of like, hey, we gotta work as a team to win, but at the same time, it's like I'm still trying to prove that I am the best here, and I am going to be the best, and I'm going to win Blue Lock. So I still enjoy that aspect of the show, even if it's not as, even though it's not as as like front and center as it was in the first episode. Right, right, yeah. It sounds more like it's like kind of an undercurrent, like or like an overarching arc versus the main. To borrow a phrase we used before, meat and potatoes of the show is like him trying to excel himself personally, but. The context kind of changed what the pilot made. It's not like it would be. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, it, the second half of its first season just started, um, which 
the first episode did introduce like this brand new character that's going to be very interesting to watch. Um, so, well, yeah, we'll see how it goes. Uh, apparently, it gets crazier from this first uh, from this first half or this first arc, which I think was called the first selection arc. I think this next one is just literally called the second selection arc. So we'll see how it goes. Keep us um, posted, because yeah, I think if it if it stays true to its original premise, this would be the one that maybe I would actually circle back to. Yeah. What you have to do is you have to watch Kaguya Sama before you start watching Blue Lock. I watch Kaguya Sama with your fiance. Oh, is that the one you're telling me about that I I took note of in my head, but then didn't act on like half a year ago? Correct. It's on Hulu. Yeah. yeah the um the kind of a comedy of sorts. Involving yeah, love it's and like, stuff. Yes. like Death, Death Note if it was a romantic comedy. Yes, yes, I will circle back to that. A, a yes. cat and mouse romantic comedy. There we go. There it is, um, yeah. And last but not least, Chainsaw Man. Easily the most anticipated anime of the year. Didn't disappoint. This is, for anybody who has li- whoever listened to the uh, Quarantine Chronicles or Random Nonsense, I forgot when I talked about it, which... Iteration of this podcast, I talked about it, but Chainsaw Man, <laughs> We've probably... We've gone too many names. <laughs> yeah. Chainsaw Man, one of my favorite mangas of all time. Probably my favorite manga of all time. Um, This disappointment is... This disappointment? <laughs> this this adaptation <laughs> is exactly the way that I want to see Chainsaw Man, which is bloody, bleak, horny, but still with, like, this huge sense of heart. Um... Studio Mappa, in my opinion, killed it with this adaptation. I know there's some disdain from a section of Chainsaw Man fans that mm-hmm. aren't a fan of this anime's more grounded, realistic look in lieu of how gritty the manga looks. Uh, like, people thought that it just looks a little too clean. But mm-hmm. I personally didn't find that an issue at all. The, something that I feel like doesn't get talked about enough when it comes to this adaptation is the music. Um, the music actually should have gotten my favorite album for the Quarantinis. Uh, it's it's all on Spotify. It's 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 spectacular. You've got really like atmospheric, moody sounds that rival Trent Reznor and Atticus Ross's work on that's, like their David Fincher movies. That's high praise right there. Yeah, to draw that and parallel. Like, yeah, that's mm-hmm. big. And then not only that, but they also have these hype guitar tracks. That would feel home on the Doom and Doom Eternal soundtrack. The you overall said, like, package all the right words to sell that really well. Like yeah, the, <laughs> the music. Big, the music's yeah. insane in this show. Interesting. Um, there's still no season two announcements, and those bastards tease the introduction of my favorite character in the last five seconds of the season. Which uh, it's funny because I I was I watched these episodes or I watched this show with uh, Angel's brother Elvis. Mm-hmm. And I remember seeing them tease that that character <clears throat> and being like, oh, my God, they're going to show them. They're going to show them. And then they don't show them. And Elvis can tell you I was devastated. I think I screamed, no, those bastards. How could they do this to me? <laughs> That's funny it- because something that I like to do with this anime is like I will go on YouTube and see like other people's reactions uh-huh. to to the show. And a lot of people don't read the manga. So everybody's confused. like. Who is that character? And I'm, and me, I'm just like, oh, you guys just wait until you you meet this character. It's, I I, I can't wait to see more of this show. So, and and to confirm, it's a when, soon. not an if, right? Like it is for sure getting a season two. You just have no idea when, or is it still up in the air? 
it's still it's still up in the air. They yeah. they haven't said that a second season is going to happen, but considering that this was a the most anticipated anime of the year, mm-hmm. and considering that way 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 more people liked it that didn't, I wouldn't be surprised if it gets a second season or a movie that uh, adapts the very next arc of the of the manga. Because this was a passion project for the studio. Um, mm, okay, yeah. It, it it got all the all the love and attention that it should have, you know. Right. So I wouldn't be surprised if we see more. Like I want to see more. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Probably maritime. Yeah. So. Yeah, that's uh that's the anime catch up with Kevin. So weird. Killing it with names this episode. I would like to redeem myself real quick because that whole anime catch up with Kevin was also the Jason dropped the ball a bunch summary. <laughs> I didn't watch anime recommended for me and my fiance. I didn't catch up with these, but I do want to let you know, and I know you know, but I need to let the broader yous out there know. I'm playing Marvel Snap now and really enjoying it. So I do listen I can't, sometimes. I can't. So are you still playing it or did you just get I to the point? I haven't played it in the last day or so because I got sidetracked with other stuff, but. Okay. I am still playing it. I played it at least a couple of days in a row after I last spoke to you guys about it, which was minus when you sent us the Spider-Man card you just got um, last night. I think it was like three, four days ago we last talked about okay. it collectively. So, yeah, yeah, I'm level 20. It's interesting. My level moves when I'm not playing, I noticed. I stopped playing at level 22. I opened up the game yesterday, and I was level 21. I'm like, what? <laughs> but, that um, doesn't make sense. Maybe I misremembered. But... Maybe I misremembered. I thought. But we will talk. We will talk about it once Angel is here. Yes. Yeah. We need to say it for him. But I just want everyone out there to know, and for you to know, Kevin. I do occasionally listen to your guys' recommendations, even if it takes three times in a New Year's resolution to do it. Okay. So yeah. Okay. That that sounds that sounds fantastic. That sounds good. Yeah, I'm, it's I'm super glad. fun. Everything you guys said about it in December, spot on. Yeah. Super fun. Great. Uh. So what do you what do you got for us? Oh, I guess I could talk. Well, speaking of things I'm playing, I could talk about um a different game I was playing a little. Uh, mom hid my game. Which she did what? Mom hid my game, and yet somehow I played a game about it. But yeah, it's it's uh, it's kind of funny actually, because it feels like a game that was really destined for like this moment in time, if that makes sense. I know it sounds really ob- obscure and weird what I'm saying, but like ever since we switched over to doing the randomer shows, I always like to bring in something to justify the Nintendo half of our podcast name, you know. And that's been easy to do for the most part since we changed the name. Nintendo's been busy. But as we were kind of talking about before, like, we're in a bit of a quiet period right now. It's one a lot of fans have been venting about online, as you may have noticed on Twitter or if you go on any gaming message boards. Um, you know, they're all arguing, like, Nintendo's 2023 seems like such a mystery. There's no new Direct. What's happening after all the park openings and movie openings? Um, but there's one thing about Nintendo that's predictable. And... Like Clockwork, they're more often than not always quiet this time of year. I mean, this is normal. And before I get to the game, it, it's funny because someone actually quantified that this normalcy. Um, I was reading the story on Intel World Report the other day, and they broke down how few games we knew about at the start of any given year since the Switch's launch. And it's always like three to five games uh-huh. and um, by in a January. And that's exactly where we are now. Like, we're at the high end, actually. We have five, because we know two of them. They're coming out in the next six weeks. We have Fire Emblem Engage and Kirby Return to Dreamland Deluxe. I um, wouldn't have been able to tell you that Fire Emblem Engage comes out 
with it. Yeah, no, they're not marketing it particularly well. I mean, this past week they had previews of Engage that all the press got to do. And, you know, they were talking about stuff like the socialization system of three houses isn't as prevalent in this one. It's kind of going back to the series Roots, which I guess kind of makes sense because the whole game is, you know, about summoning past characters and throwing back to, like, it's kind of a send-up to all the past Fire Emblem. So it would make more sense that plays a little more traditionally. Um, But, yeah, that's out, like, literally next Friday or this coming Friday. Kirby's out like the 24th of February. So there is stuff happening. It's just there's not a lot of new stuff. And then, you know, on top of that, we already mentioned Nintendo World opening, the Mario movie in April. There's the Bayonetta spinoff in between in March. Zelda's in May. Pikmin's this year. Like, there's a lot of Nintendo things happening. Uh, Probably more so in terms of scale than what we typically see. Like I was saying before, like, these are big moments for Nintendo. But in this moment, like, for this episode, it feels like we're just kind of waiting for everything to, like, go. Um, So it's probably... I, I would imagine that's partly why i so quickly got so invested in marvel snap is i have the time i'm not being distracted by other stuff there's nothing else going on in my like little bubble of why i pay attention to but it's also why i wanted to talk about mom hitting my game specifically now um it's been on mobile for years but the more recently released switch version um it's currently completely free on amazon prime if you have amazon prime since i think like third week of december you can download it for free from the eShop. And it's kind of the perfect moment for a bite-sized experience like this to fill time while you wait for, like, the bigger things to happen. And okay. to be clear, it's very bite-sized. I mean, I think I beat it in literally an hour. But it's totally one of those experiences that if you had Fire Emblem Engage to play or if Wave 4 of Mario Kart 8's, like, booster course pass suddenly dropped out of nowhere, you wouldn't probably bat an eye at Mom Hit My Game. But because there's the time and because it's free, it's like, why not? And I'm here to say... Do it, especially now. Like it's, it's. I went in not knowing what to expect at all, but I, I came away actually a pretty big fan of how it blends WarioWare and like kind of like light escape room style puzzles. So the basic premise is that you're a kid who just wants to play his video games, but your mom takes them away. Very true to its name. So right off the bat, you know that premise is literally the story of Nine Volts Mom and WarioWare. And uh, over the course of these 50 individual puzzles, it's up to you to get your little generic DS-looking handheld back from wherever she hid it in each puzzle by whatever means necessary. And these puzzles are really where it kind of wears the WarioWare inspiration on its sleeve. And I think I just said wear three times a single sentence. Where it wears WarioWare. Where it wears WarioWare. But yeah, this is really where it shines through. Like across every puzzle... You always have the same basic controls and gameplay mechanics, just like a WarioWare. So in this case, there's a room or two where, almost like a point and click, you can interact with objects, pick them up, and then use the objects with one another to trigger different events. And you can do this via the touchscreen if you're playing in handheld mode, because, you know, it is from a mobile origin, like it started on Android and iOS. Or, because it's on Switch now, you can also use an on-screen cursor with the control stick and face buttons. Uh, and this never changes. Just like how many WarioWare games, you always have that one control mechanic that drives everything. Um, also like WarioWare, what Mom Hit My Game does well is within that mechanic, it goes absolutely crazy with the ideas. So initially at the start of every puzzle, you see an on-screen picture of the primary object that's going to help you solve that puzzle. It's kind of like how, like WarioWare, when you're playing, they throw like a random verb at you and that's what you have to do in that little five-second micro game. So here you get that one object and it's up to you to determine how to find and utilize the object that you're given. And the ways in which you engage to do so are super WarioWare. Like, sometimes they make perfect sense and they use the object as it's designed. Other times, you need to think a little outside the box, but it's still kind of like, okay, that makes sense. But then sometimes it's just totally random in what you do or how you trigger it. Um, Like, super, like, 
out of left field, unexpected, again, kind of like WarioWare often does. Um, and those are definitely the most memorable moments for sure. Like it kind of like from the perspective, of, like the game sense of humor, like those are really like the highlights. Um, I don't want to share any specific examples since they're going to spoil actual puzzles. But like just, I'll just say like as the game goes on, it really escalates in what sort of things like suddenly are now in your living room and the puzzles that those then create. And like, why is that here? Why this coming in through the window or whatever? And it just has like a surrealness to it, which, again, you know, a lot of parts of WarioWare do. And I keep drawing that parallel. Because the game keeps pulling that string. Like, it keeps doing stuff like WarioWare. Like, another way it does it is that um, very much like the gamer mini game in Game & Wario from the Wii U days, which counts as a WarioWare, but barely. Um, <laughs> if, I mean, it does, right? Like, especially gamer because you're playing micro games. But in that one, if your mom um, catches you, it's game over. And here, same deal. Um, if you get caught, you instantly lose the puzzle. And in this case, how that happens is either you get her attention because you use an object wrong and it makes a loud noise, or more often than not, you're exposing her if she's hiding somewhere. So she may be behind a curtain. She may be in a fridge. She may be, like, under something, hidden in something. And if you open it, oh, there's mom. It's it's over. And you don't have any lives or continues, so it's not like a big deal if you lose. Um, the game, because of its mobile origin, is structured very much like a lot of other mobile games. So think of, like, how... Angry Birds, when you lose a puzzle, you just go back to that same screen of selecting which number puzzle you're on. They just start it again, and that's that. Um, and I think and I think by design, they kind of toy with this idea because, in fact, there are some puzzles in Mom Hid My Game where I feel like the developers specifically set you up to fail by kind of zigging where you may expect them to zag to such a – or by such a degree that it mm -hmm. doesn't even feel like a loss. It's just kind of part of the humor of it all. Um, so definitely, like, it's not like you can lose the game or whatever, but that, that does cause you to have to restart if you see Mom. Um, and, the, and the WarioWare parallels don't even stop there either. Uh, even when you finish the whole game, which, again, it's only like an hour, um, you unlock a toy, kind of like you do in WarioWare with all those little side things you can mess with. Um, in this case, the toy is actually a ported version of an entirely different mobile release by the same developer called Crazy Horizontal Bar. And all you do in it is spin a gymnast around a bar as many times as you can, just by pressing the direction at the right moment to start and maintain whatever momentum they have. Uh, and the more you spin them, the more unique poses you unlock, which all present themselves in a gallery you can browse. So like I said, it's very much like one of those weird little toys in WarioWare. It's just kind of there. You can interact with it. It's not really a game. It's just kind of a thing. Um, but that kind of, funny enough, brings me to the one problem I have with Mom Hid My Game. And it's something I keep saying. It's really short, right? Uh, it's charming. It's clever. It's... It's wacky, but it's really short. And the thing is, the original developer of the mobile version, a company called Hap Inc., they're kind of prolific with the amount of other odd, similarly charming, low-budget-looking releases. Like on yeah. iOS and Android, there's actually three Mom Hid My Game games, I guess. What would be the plural? Mom Hid My Games. Uh, but yeah, there's three of them, and they're all called... They're uh, a translation of their Japanese name. So if you go on the app store, you're actually looking for Hidden My Game by Mom, not Mom Hid My Game. Uh, oh. And I understand why those aren't included in a single Switch release because the original Switch port um, came out before the second and third did on mobile. So I get why those aren't there. Um, the second one actually got a separate Switch port later on too. We're just missing three, I think. But what Happink does have that they could have put in here is they have a lot of these weird little toy experiences like Crazy Horizontal Bar. I looked at their App Store like profile, and there's 10 different things they released prior to the Switch port. Many of them actually use some of the same assets and ideas as within the individual puzzles in Mom Hit My Game. So cool. part of me is kind of like, well, 
if you already sort of put them in the switch, like you already have the assets and controls already retrofitted for the switch, like it would have rounded out the package just a little bit more on your very short game and given a bit of replayability because these things do have some high score challenges while the core puzzles don't. It's like once you solve them, you solve them. That would have helped just pad it a bit. And and granted, I got the game for free, so I can't, you know, anyone that has Amazon Prime can get it for free, so I can't really complain too much. But normally it's five bucks. And five bucks for like under an hour of gameplay, I feel like that just would have gone a long way, you know, to just sort of make it a little more of a package deal. Um, yeah. Overall, though, like especially as a freebie, uh, Mom Hit My Game is, is like, it's worth the time. It's not a lot of time, like I was saying, but it's totally worth that little time you do spend. Like the puzzles are clever. The comedy of the whole experience is like, is fun. Um, you know, the lack, they never explain why your mom is hiding where she is. There's this ever building kind of like randomness to it with the scenarios. Even there were times I would purposely just do something wrong with an object just to see what happens because there's usually an animation or something that comes out of it. Like every time you screw up, the kid has a different like, there's a different like uh, drawing of how the kid is hindered by this. You know, if it's a, if a bee comes out and there's a picture of him getting stung by a bee and stuff, so I'd be curious to do that. It all adds up to like a pretty fun little time. Um, and I'm actually at the point where now that I know there are sequels, because my be it, I didn't know. It's when I was starting to look into the developer. Uh, I'm actually kind of tempted to buy the sequel, which is also $5 on the eShop. Because um, I just want to see like what absurdity they keep coming up with, because it gets crazy. And and if you think of the original on Prime, which is free right now, and then the paid sequel as a single hundred puzzle purchase for $5, that is worth the $5. So that's not going to justify it to myself. But um, if nothing else, I'd say since the original is free, download it on the eShop. Like, check it out. It's, it, it's, it's, it's really cool for what it is. It's very short, but it's like a good little, like, time killer as we wait for, like, the bigger things to happen on the Switch this year, which, you know, we're a week away from one of them. But kind of a nice way to spend a little time. So, so that's what I've been nice. playing as long as I'm my game. Yeah. It's a fun little diversion, I guess you could say. Cool, cool, cool. Yeah. Um, now, I think we should talk. We got three movies on the docket. Oh, yes. Three. Oh, yes, we do have three. Right. I forgot you had a... Yes, you have a Golden Globe winner. Yeah. I have a Golden Globe... Yeah, I have Golden Globe winner, The Banshees of Inishrin. Um, This is my favorite movie uh, of last year, of 2022, um, and probably one of, like, my new overall favorites. Uh, It's directed by Martin McDonough. Who has directed some of my favorite dark comedy movies, um, Seven Psychopaths and In Bruges. In Bruges, In Bruges yeah, In Bruges being in my top three movies of all time, and this movie reunites the two main stars of In Bruges, who are Colin Farrell and Brandon Gleeson. Um, I didn't, I actually didn't know that you've that you've seen In Bruges. I saw it in college on kind of a whim because a friend worked at a movie theater, and just like let's see In Bruges. I was like, sure. And I was oh, really wow. impressed with it. Yeah, like I had no intention to see it, and I saw. It. I'm like, this is actually a really cool movie. Yeah. Yeah, in Bruges, fantastic. Places, but it's it's very entertaining along the way. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. Did you ever see Seven Psychopaths? Mm-mm. That one I was yet to also see this with, one either. That was also with Colin Farrell. Um. And that one had Colin Farrell and crap. I'm forget. I'm forgetting his name. Sam Rockwell was. Oh, I like Sam characters. Rockwell. Yeah. Had uh Woody Harrelson. It had a crazy cast. Yeah, that sounds um, kind of stacked. It had Christopher Walken. And I'm forgetting one other major name in that movie. Tom Waits, I think. Like the the uh music singer Tom Waits, I think. Uh Tom Waits. <laughs> I, Tom Waits I, I'm I looking think. it up right now on uh IMDB for you. It's uh 
pretty sure it was Tom Waits. Christopher Walken, Sam Rockford, Colin Farrell, Way Harrelson, Tom Waits. Tom Waits, yeah. I'm impressed. Wow. Yeah. Good memory. Yeah, that that movie had uh, Olga Kurlenko, who was like my favorite Bond girl at the time. Also, also uh, Gabrielle Sidibe, Sidibe, when she was still like doing movies regularly. She oh yeah, yeah, yeah. She she plays yeah. she plays a small role, but like she has really really she has a really really funny scene with uh, Rui Harrelson. I don't know if these um, are spoilers, but Mickey Rourke and Crispin Glover are in it apparently. So. Mickey Rourke in Seven Psychopaths? That's what Google tells me. If Google's lying, I will be. That's why I'm an an Apple. No, Mickey Rourke is most definitely not in it. And who who's that second name? Crispin Glover. No, Crispin. No, Crispin Glover. So Google's lying to me. So let this be a lesson, everyone. Don't trust Google for this stuff. Only IMDb. Yeah, and uh, he also directed that a movie a few years ago that also got like a bunch of love. Um, Three billboards outside. Oh, um, Ebbing, Missouri. Yeah, I think I saw that one. But Sam Rockwell's in it. Yeah, Sam Rockwell. Yes, in that I saw one that too. on an airplane, and actually, with, uh, with it. yeah, Francis McDormand. Yep. Also. Yep. Yeah, she was crazy good in it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but this is not those movies. This is the Banshees of Inisherin, <laughs> and like I said uh, before, I brought up those other movies. Um, Colin Farrell and Brendan Gleeson, and I guess Martin McDonough have uh, all reunited for this one. Um. And it's got a very, very, very basic premise. Um, Brendan Gleeson's character, uh, Colm, no longer want no longer wants to be best friends with Colin's character, Park. Um, the reason is because Colm just finds Park boring, and Colm just wants to write music in peace for, you know, his the remaining life, the remaining years of his life. Um, and just Park can't take the fact that his best friend, out of the blue, wants nothing to do with him. So he keeps pestering Colm until Colm tells him straight up, for every time you annoy me, for every time you talk to me, I'm going to cut off one of my fingers. Um, and this creates some really tense situations between them two. Uh, along the way, along with these characters, I guess, you have uh, Park's sister, Shoban, and the local policeman's very horny son, Dominic. Um, <laughs> Both of them who try to help Porik through his friendship breakup um, with like Shaban being the angel and Dominic being the devil to Porik's shoulders. You know, they both try to guide him different ways um, mm-hmm. to varying results. Um, the movie is very, very funny and incredibly crass as well. I think mm-hmm. within the first 10 minutes, there's already like full male frontal nudity um there's yeah, set a, the bar early i get it pretty much which <laughs> if i remember no i don't think in bruges had i don't think in bruges did, but Bru- there was there like there are some movies i feel like in bruges was on where they very they just hit you over the head right at the beginning with the tone of the movie so hard that everything else seems tame yeah um, yeah uh like there's a there's this there's this hilarious like recurring gag about porks at donkey being inside his and Shaban's house, uh, which just keeps going on through it. And the whole donkey is just this recurring gag, but it, but it also has a gag at the Golden Globes. I don't know if you watched Golden Globes, but when they gave the speech, when the director gave the speech, he was saying that he wished the donkey was, was there and deserved an award or something like that. So it, it, oh, okay. it yeah, carries. The, yes. <laughs> yeah. The, 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 it, and the donkey is not only just a recurring gag. It's all, it, it's also very, 
you'd be surprised how important to the story it is. Hmm. Um, there's just like a lot of little laughs with some big ones for sure. Um, just like in Bruges, you know, in Bruges was a, was a dark comedy. Yep. And you know, it had some like hilarious scenes, but like a lot of the, a lot of the movie is very much like chuckle to yourself and, and you're chuckling not only because it's funny, but because of, of how, um, witty it can be you know yeah you're not yeah. you're not really you're not really laughing out loud for some wit um right. but just like just like in bruges and seven psychopaths this movie definitely gets darker towards the end um and just like those movies there's still like some some laughs to be had uh i i saw three billboards once around the time that it came out and that movie was just dark from that. That was more of a drama. than Oh, than totally. Comedy. I mean, it, it again, start, you know, leading with the tone right off the bat. Like it within the first five or six minutes, you get the sense that that, that movie's not going to be funny. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It has and, some and, like Francis yeah, Ford's character some had some lines, but like mm-hmm. it's it's darker for sure. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, another aspect that I love about this movie is just its setting. I don't know if you've seen any of the trailers or any of the posters. Um, it takes place. Yeah. yeah, it takes place in the early 1920s, like on a small Irish island, and it just has some mm-hmm. beautiful, beautiful landscapes and vistas. And I don't think it looks like any setting I've ever seen in a movie before. The closest that I can say it gets to is probably the Shire in the Lord of the Rings movies, like, um, you know the like New the Zealand kind of lo- where... yeah, yeah, and like kind of the low rolling greens with some fog and yeah, yeah, and. And it's not; it's definitely not as lush, um, and it's definitely more rocky than the Shire is. But it's just, right. it's just, it's honestly one of the nicest looking settings I've ever seen in a movie in a while. Um, the story goes some places that I didn't expect it to go, and there's some like red herrings that I won't spoil. But you're you think to yourself like, "Huh, I I wasn't expecting that to." end up meaning anything mm-hmm. um i i love this movie it's like right up in my alley in terms of what i want from a dark comedy uh like golden globes i guess it won best director i think it won best picture best drama oh one best picture too and, and I think yeah, Colin I think Farrell also won or wait wait i got that wrong sorry it won best not picture that went to fablemans it won it runs something screenplay? where best screenplay maybe, maybe it runs something where the director was up there thanking people. <laughs> uh, it was pro- it was probably best screenplay then because yeah, yeah I no, guess Fable Daniels won for no everything actually no nope, they didn't win nope. anything. Fablesman Fableman took the big ones. Um, I think screenplay went. To, you know what? I'm gonna pull up the winners. It was weird. A screenplay one... screenplay must have gone to gone to Banshees. I don't think it did. Must have gone. Uh, to it's weird because like the the Golden Globes were on like a Tuesday <laughs> this year, so like I was like half watching. Not that I paid that deep of attention. Uh, best picture drama went to Fablemans. Uh, hold on. Oh, it did win. It, it's musical or comedy, not drama. So yes, it won best picture, musical or comedy. Okay, Banshees. gotcha. Yeah. And yeah. what about screenplay? Did it win screenplay? Uh, no, screenplay. I want to say went to. Am I gone to Fablemans? I remember Spielberg giving a speech. Oh no, 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 it did. What did Spielberg? Oh, Spielberg yeah. got director. Okay, yeah, screenplay. Oh, gotcha, and... gotcha. Man, I am ill prepared for this conversation. Yeah, screenplay and best picture, musical or comedy. So it okay, won as much yeah. as it could, in a way. Gotcha. Yeah, Colin Farrell, fantastic in this movie. Uh, Brendan Gleeson, I shouldn't even have to say it, just fantastic in this movie. And right. and uh, Dominic is played by I don't know how to pronounce his 
this guy's name, Barry Coffin. I I don't know how you'd pronounce it, but he was in uh he was in the Eternals. He was oh. he had like the bowl cut. Oh. Kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he also played the Joker in uh the newest Batman movie. Oh, wait. What? He was the yeah. Joker in the newest Batman? Mm-hmm. Spoilers. Oh, the Joker. The I was thinking Riddler. I'm like, he's not Paul Dano. But no, yeah, no, no, okay. No, no. Yeah. no Joker. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. In that clip they released online only because they're weirdos. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. He I think he stole the show for me, honestly. Um, he's such a funny character that has sort of this this tragic life, but I don't know, you just have to see it so so that you can understand. It's just it's just a wonderful movie and I'm so glad that you know, the the two actors from one of my favorite movies of all time got together again to to redo something. I was a little disappointed when Brendan Gleeson wasn't in Seven Psychopaths. Um just because it was Martin McDonough working with uh Colin Farrell again. Right. But I'm so glad. This movie's fantastic. I, I just love this movie with so all my heart. So where can I see it? Is it on streaming yet or is it only in it's on It's on HBO Max. Oh. I think it I know was... what I'm going to do on this rainy evening after we're done recording maybe. Perfect. Yeah. Just yeah. order some pizza or some food and just, just exactly. watch it. Pop it's, some it's... popcorn. Mm-hmm. Settle in. Yeah. yeah this, this actually sounds – because I've been wanting to see it. Yeah. And I was actually – Part of me was hoping to see it before um, this episode, but it just didn't happen. But um, yeah, no, I'm excited to see it. I like him Bruce a lot. And everything you're saying is like, sounds like must see type of thing. So, yeah. So, yeah, The Banshees of uh, Inishrin. It's a fantastic movie. I cannot praise me enough. Glad to hear it. Excited to check it out. What Thanks. did you think of? Because we both seen it. I, are we entering spoiler territory with this conversation we're about to have? Glass Onion. Wait, Aru, did you not want to talk the other one? Uh, I can weave it into Glass Onion. Like, it, 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 it thematically is weird. It's kind of similar to Glass Onion, so I don't mind referencing it as we go. It's easier okay, to talk sure. Glass Onion, and I'll mention it. Yeah, the other okay, being sure. the menu. Then, just then we <laughs> to, should probably the air of mystery. talk non-spoilery aspects of it and then sure. go into spoilers. Sure. Glass Onion? Yeah. Yeah, and that's probably where I'll mention the menu in passing. Because, yeah, it's, it's – okay. uh, the, the reason, I guess, that I'm sort of pairing them is they both thematically are about rich people that – are dumb <laughs> that's about, yeah like it's so. about like the yeah like yeah so what do you think of glass onion let's do glass onion you want you want to lead the conversation i actually sure. don't have any notes for glass onion sure i uh i didn't write a whole lot down at all because it's kind of it kind of is spinning off of what i was saying very briefly when we did our quarantinis which one of the things i really liked about glass onion is ryan johnson does a really good job of creating a period piece in our current period, like because murder mysteries for so long have been kind of like you look back at this time in the past, like, you know, murder on the Orient Express, or like Agatha Christie novels or whatever. And it's very like in its time. And they do critiques of the of the social norms of the time or whatever through the story. But like it's very uh, backwards looking. And his is too by about 18 months. <laughs> but mm-hmm. it's interesting, both Knives Out and this. He has such a good job of taking all the tropes and all the like. You know, the things that make a traditional murder mystery, but putting it not just in a time that is uh, ours, like the modern time, but somehow having the foresight when he wrote Glass Onion and put it all together to have it be somehow incredibly, incredibly relevant to specifically Mm -hmm. what was going out, going on in November 2022, which was incredibly weird. (laughs) <laughs> but um, especially because I saw it in November, I, I actually went and saw it in a theater, full house, sold out. Um, 
Randomly enough, Reese Witherspoon was right outside the theater doing a premiere of some Amazon movie she produced, so she was there. But um, yeah, it was a full house, and it was like it's a very different experience than what I've seen it twice. Uh, we watched it with some of my fiance's family in Utah, so it's interesting to compare and contrast. But um, yeah, it it was a fun ride to see in November when a lot of the headlines involving some rich people paralleled so closely what was going on in the movie. Yeah, so, we'll, I, we'll we'll talk. We'll get, we'll get that into that. I'm just trying to say it without saying it. But yeah, no, I really it was interesting to see it twice because I really liked. Um, so watching it the first time, the thing that blew me away was kind of how it's like period piece of a modern time. So mm-hmm. it followed, like I said, it followed all the tropes and everything really well, but still felt very relevant. But then watching it the second time, I was able which to. I, or go ahead. Which go I, ahead. I I don't think it's a spoiler to say that this movie takes place during the COVID nineteen. Yes, uh, it's it's like era. twenty, like summer twenty twenty. I think mm-hmm. is what it takes place or something like that. And yeah, and even but even just some like societal things carried on, obviously, as we have past COVID. Um, but it's interesting. So the first time I watched it from that like angle and I was like, wow, this is like it's so cool how he stays true to like the 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 I don't want to keep saying the tropes, but essentially the tropes of an of an old fashioned murder mystery, just modern. And then watching it the second time, I was saying they're like, wow, it's so cool how he like actually wrote a really good mystery and like has things that you pick up when you watch the second time that allude to what happens, what you don't realize when you watch it the first time. Even just ways he like cuts certain angles of scenes or zooms in on certain people or does certain things like, oh, this is like totally like a wink and a nod to the audience that you would not pick up until mm-hmm. you rewatch it. And just like the the duality of Ron, uh, of uh, Ryan Johnson and how he like hit both of these on the head really well. I, I was really impressed. Yeah. Yeah. So I, that, that's uh, kind of my high level opinion of it. Yeah. I, uh, I really enjoyed this movie. I, I think it's a more clever movie than, than uh, I was going to say get out. Um, than, <laughs> the knives out. Then the knives out. But he was I definitely think I, flexing his muscle a little more on this one. I feel like. Yeah. Yeah. But I think I still enjoyed the, Knives Out more. Um, That's fair. Yeah, I guess we'll probably we'll probably talk about Knives Out spoilers too at this point. Yeah, I think um, so. But we'll, once we get into the spoiler section, um, I still had a lot of fun with this movie. There's a there's a, especially one scene that I wish I wish I would have seen this in theaters because I saw it uh, at home um, when I had COVID actually. Uh, so that was one of the movies. It, it, like mm-hmm. the Banshees of, and I think I saw Glass Onion. And then the Banshees of Inisherin, like back to back, which uh, was was sort of like tonal whiplash, to be quite oh, honest. Yeah, I bet. Um, yeah, yeah, but like, but yeah, uh, Ryan Johnson is Ryan Johnson is definitely at the top of his game um, for sure. Yep. Especially, I didn't like the Last Jedi. I think the Last Jedi is a bad movie, but not because of the the reasons that Star Wars fans think that it's a bad movie. Um, like oh, Luke isn't supposed to be. shut up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I just, I, 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 just that, I just yeah. don't think it's a it's a competent story and and the whole in the whole scheme of the of the sequel trilogies, it's pretty much useless because it just gets retcons in the next in the next movie. That's my thing. I I with with Last Jedi came out of it being like, well, I'm just interested. I'm interested in what they're doing because it's something new. Like I appreciate that they weren't following a boilerplate as closely as Episode sure. Seven did. As much as I loved Episode Seven for the nostalgia at the time when it came out, it's like, wow, this feels like we're right back in it. It's so cool because they played all the right nostalgic notes mm-hmm. to do that. Episode Eight, I'm like, okay, we're back. Things are established. Let's see what new direction they go in. And I appreciate that it did that. I, I agree. Not all of it was perfect, but I just like that it was like new in the same way that Andor feels fresh. If you watched Andor, like it feels fresh compared to other Star Wars. Episode kind of had that vibe. And then they mm-hmm. did. Then they brought back JJ because Episode 8's reaction was what it was. And 
retconned all of it. And I was like, well, that's pointless. So anyone that now watches the three together, eight just sticks out like a weird sore thumb, even though at the time when we didn't know what nine was going to be. And now we know Disney didn't either fully. Mm -hmm. um, it felt like it was a cool direction they were starting to move in. So I'm very torn on eight these days. Like, yeah, I wish like, we had that alternate universe where they continued down that path, kind of. Mm -hmm. Minus and the like, casino heist. That was weird. But Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, anyways, uh, Ryan, jo Ryan Johnson gets a lot of, lot of hate for The Last Jedi, but, like, do people not remember that? Did you ever see Brick with uh, Joseph Gordon-Levitt? Oh yeah, yeah. I think way back when. Yeah, yeah. That's like that's a Ryan Johnson directed yeah. movie. He he directed Looper with uh again. Looper I really liked when it Bruce came Willis. out. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Looper's yeah. awesome. And let's not forget he he directed the best episode of Breaking Bad with um Ozzy right. That's right. And to some people, he directed the worst one with Fly, but that's right. That's beside that's beside the point. He still directed Ozzy Mandius. Yeah, yeah, like um, he has the pedigree, and it, it's unfortunate that one movie, that one like, movie, yeah, and I feel with, like it's the same with appeal. one of the worst fan bases of all time could just poison <laughs> his reputation. Well, I mean, same deal with um, oh, what's her name? She directed Wonder Woman. Oh, Patty Jenkins. Yeah, like Patty Jenkins did like Wonder Woman one. Okay, I didn't quite understand why it was as revered as it was among the fans. I I liked it, but like, okay. But then she kind of had a slight misfire with 84. Like, it wasn't as good. That's fine. It happens. Mm -hmm. But now, like, everyone's like, oh, Patty Jenkins. Like, I don't want her touching Rogue Squadron. I don't want her doing this. I don't want her doing this. Granted, uh, Warner Brothers, as far as we don't want her doing Wonder Woman 3. In fact, we're not doing Wonder Woman 3. In fact, Gal Gadot is mm -hmm. no longer Wonder Woman. So that's another story. <laughs> but still, like, I don't understand why one movie can completely tarnish the work of someone you – like, someone's – whole work portfolio if you enjoyed the other things they did it's a balance not everything's great not everything's poor we have strong episodes of our podcast we have weak episodes like just cut people some slack is really all i'm yeah. saying yeah yeah and like if you if you refuse to watch knives out or glass onion because you don't like the last jedi just that's on you that, you're, yeah, that, you're, you're missing some fantastic movies movies Absolutely. that are movies that are better than the prequels the sequels and I would say, maybe with the exception of Empire Strikes Back, even better than those movies. But that's also because I'm not a, a Star Wars person. Right, and I'm like a I'm like a mainstream Star Wars person. So like, I like the movies. I watch the shows. I don't get into the extended universe. I don't get into any of the games. I don't do any of that. Like, so I, I see where you're coming from with that perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Yeah, but these movies are fantastic. Like I said, I. I appreciate Knives Out more than I did this movie, but that doesn't mean that I dislike this movie. I very this is like an eight out of ten for me. You right. know, if Knives Out was a nine, this is this is an eight. It's not and as I'm good. Not, I get that, but it's still great. Yeah, I think I think the thing that a lot of sequels run into in general, and this or anything that's like a hero driven, if you will, because you know um, Blanc is basically like the superhero of these in a way. Anything where they establish a character and introduce to a character and you get to know the character, I always prefer more than the sequels. Like I like, you know, the um, the first of any of the Marvel movies versus the sequels more. I like the first of I suspect I'm gonna like the first of um uh oh god, what's it called? The animated Spider Man. The 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 movie the, the, Sony. The, what are you what are you talking about? My, like, Miles Morales, what's his called? I just blinked oh, out. Uh, Into the Spider Verse. Into the Spider-Verse, thank you. I feel like I'm going to like Into the Spider-Verse more than Across the Spider-Verse just because I like origin stories a lot or I like getting to know a character more sure, than like, just like, here's like, a character doing something new. 
Like and, I, I prefer Homecoming to Far From Home and No Way Home. Right. Like uh, No Way Home hits the nostalgic just right for me. But um, but yes, I'm the same way. Homecoming more. I think mm-hmm. there's something just really, and I know Angel to speak on his behalf from beyond his grave r.i.p angel um i know he's the other way he likes to like see the characters explore deeper he's told me that before but like for me it's very much like getting to know a character and i think that might be why knives out has a bit of an edge because you're kind of figuring out who blanc is at the same time he's figuring out the mystery and then this one is just like here's blanc again isn't it funny here's his accent and it's great Mm -hmm. daniel craig is great as blanc like and all the memes of putting him with the muppets and stuff are really funny but there's something kind of special about first meeting the character and seeing him do the whole foghorn leghorn voice and everything versus now he's just kind of like established. And I think for uh-huh. me that's partly what gives uh, Knives Out a bit of an edge. No yeah. pun intended. <laughs> but yeah. <laughs> right. Um, I think with that we could probably get into some spoilers. Yeah. Yeah. I was going to say, okay, yeah, actually we could do spoilers because I think somewhere in here the menu kind of fits into this whole thing. I'm not entirely sure where oh, I didn't really well, give much thought. If, you, if you're um, going to talk menu spoilers, I'll talk menu yeah, briefly because right I think what's interesting about Knives Out, what's interesting about Glass Onion, what's particularly interesting about the menu having watched it right after I rewatched Glass Onion, there is this undercurrent through line, whatever you want to call it, that's always kind of existed but in a different way of like mainstream media starting to critique kind of the attitudes of the, the richer among us. Um, right. Obviously, there's been some of that. Mr. Burns on The Simpsons. Uh, Mr. Fish Odor on Bob's Burgers. Uh, you know, you can go a few years ago, you can go decades ago. That's always there. Um, but it's been interesting that so many mainstream movies are toying with the idea of like what is like societally acceptable and how do the rich not necessarily meet those expectations and doing it in kind of a com like almost dark comedy kind of way, especially the menu. Um, so, do you know anything about the menu at all? I know Ralph. Uh, Ralph Fiennes, isn't it? I yes. love Ralph Fiennes. Yeah, no, he's 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 really good in it. As is uh, what's her name? She's playing Princess Peach and Taylor Joy. Anya Taylor Joy and Anya, Nicholas yeah, Holtz no. is also in it. Yes, he is. He is, and he plays mm-hmm. a foodie. Um, so I'm not gonna spoil anything, but the movie's basically a kind of they call it a horror movie. It's not. It's more like a thriller of sorts, but it's um kind of a dark thriller comedy satire of like. I'm sorry, it's Rafe Fiennes. I call him Ralph. As I'm sure a lot is of it? I always thought it was it's Ralph. Rafe. Yeah, really? It's Rafe. Mm-hmm. Well, I wow. Because I, I said it to myself, and he's like, "That doesn't sound." And right. I heard it, and I was like, "That sounds fine." Yeah, Voldemort's name is Ralph. Makes sense. But no, it's, no, Rafe. it's Rafe. Interesting. Yeah, it's Rafe. Um, you know, I think I just always put the L there because it would fit right next to the P, and it would blend in, and I never thought about it. But yeah, it's um because he spells it R A P H, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, anyway, so the movie is basically all these people go to this restaurant that's on an island they have to take a boat to and they're all you know it's a really expensive meal it's this like this like you paying for the experience and then it unfolds in ways they don't expect i won't say much more beyond that um but the way it unfolds and the way they react to it in and of itself feels like a real commentary on just like how artistry for some that maybe don't have much money as others or even if they do like the artistry for some is commodified by others and then the way those people sort of come off at themselves makes them feel like they're still supposed to have some sort of special thing and it, it, it's just like as things unravel and unfold they don't react in the way that normal people would for the most part and then there's one character who is a bit more grounded because she, she sort of falls into the situation she's not really planning to go there and that's kind of like our l- lens into it and like the us in that scenario of normal people 
And it's it's just interesting to see that contrast and how they play with it and do it kind of through parody. It's not that much different than how Ryan Johnson does it, where there's always that one character who's kind of the fish out of water among all these rich people and sort of is the lens we view the interaction of those wealthy folks with each other and their egos and everything through the lens of this one person who isn't that. So it's really interesting that both movies, in very different ways, do actually not that different because they both kind of have funny moments, but um, one more horror than the other, how they both kind of hit that same theme and that same like through the gaze of a lesser among the rich type of thing. So that's yeah. all I'm going to say about the menu because I really don't want to spoil anything. I went in with barely no information mm-hmm. and it was it was a fun time. Some folks, I've been reading some people's thoughts on it and some folks were saying like, oh, like it builds up in tension and for them the tension just fizzles like two thirds uh-huh. of the way through. I do get that, but I wasn't going into it thinking it was like a full-on horror movie. I was going into it thinking it'd be just kind of this tense, interesting thing. And for that, it is it is good at that. So that's all I'll say about mm. the menu. I'll encourage you to go see it. Um, that's it. That's all I'll say. Cool. Yeah. And I guess now we can just head into... Uh, Spoilerville. Spoiler territory. Yeah. Yeah. So heads up, if you haven't seen Glass Onion, uh, you can find us on Twitter at Round Nintendo and turn us off right now. But if you have seen it, let's let's carry on. The one scene that I would have loved to react to with the rest of a with a, with a crowd, mm-hmm. um, is the scene where it's so it's so funny because you you bear there's like a joke that's that's told sort of a little bit earlier, um, and then it comes up like like I totally forgot about that, but the real is so hilarious is when Blanc takes out the Jeremy Renner hot sauce, yeah. I would yeah. have loved to see that with a crowd. That it was got a good reaction. So so funny. Yeah, I was not expecting that at all. And um, and that that I feel like is such an embodiment of how Ryan Johnson nails these movies is because everything in every in both of them, Knives Out and Glass Onion, ties in in some way. Even if it's a red herring, the red herring then makes sense. Like like it it circles back. Like there's nothing that's totally out. So like that. Moment with the hot sauce is like the comedy version of how the mystery worked so well, I felt. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it was uh, super funny. Yeah. To sort of go further in why I liked Knives Out much better is because mm-hmm. I feel like the way that that movie subverted, I guess, the murder mystery by straight up showing you the murder and, I guess undoing the mystery within like the first 30 minutes I liked better than what they did here where it's revealed that um right a character uh I I, I forgot how to pronounce Janelle Monet yeah Janelle Monet yep. Janelle Monet this character isn't actually being isn't actually that character but that character's sister right and I just liked I just liked the way that that knives out subverted the murder mystery better than the way that this one subverts its murder mystery. Right. I will say, um, subversion beat point, like, uh, plot point aside, I am very impressed regardless of, you know, which, which route you prefer he went. I am very impressed that he didn't do like a by the numbers. We have to recreate knives out for the sequel. Like, mm-hmm. cause even the subversion point is at a different point in the movie. Entirely. Oh yeah. It's, it's, it's much yeah, further like, in the story and it's a completely different way that they subvert it, you know, which I, yeah. which I, that's something that you got to give him credit for is he is he did it twice um and both in completely different ways which yep hope which now for this 
the third movie. <laughs> the third because... one. Good luck, Ryan Johnson. <laughs> well, yeah, but yeah. it'll be interesting to see if he even tries to go that route because now I'm sort of expecting it. Yeah, same. Yeah, that's why I'm saying good luck is because, like, I, if you try and subvert, you either have to be incredibly clever or you just have to go – you have to subvert the expectation of subversion. I don't know how you do that unless it's just more, more straightforward, which then – Will people like it being more straightforward or will they be Yeah, well, like the next one yeah. just straight up just be a murder mystery with like no sort of twist because right. if you think you about it, the way that they – always murder mystery though of some sort. Yeah, there's always a twist, but there's not – there hasn't been a twist the way that there is a twist in Knives Out. And, oh, yeah, yeah. And last it, the scale of his twist and how it resets the story in so many ways. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. The, yeah. These these twists reset the story every single time, you know? Yeah. Um. Which sure the next one will have its twist, but, but now we know be, to expect. But will it reset the story? Yeah, and we know to expect as far as going to reset the story. He could do less. He could do something out of field. But yeah, now we kind of have the expectation. Okay, somewhere in the movie, there's a paradigm shift of sorts. Exactly, um, and that in and of itself ruins some of the twists because now we know. Yeah, yeah. So or it could potentially we'll, unless he's super clever. Yeah, so we'll we'll see how that goes. But going back to this movie. Um, mm-hmm. You were saying how it's a period piece. It's like a modern period piece. So modern. And, I mean, uh, yeah, Edward Norton's just Elon. Anyway, continue. Yeah, exactly. Let's let's get to that effect. Yeah, Edward Norton is just basically Elon Musk. Yeah. and Sort of more than Elon Musk. Yeah, and what's interesting is the speed at which kind of the mystique of Edward Norton's rich genius uh, disintegrates as the movie goes on, or not disintegrates, but as, as that mystique clarifies as the movie goes on, you start to realize he's not necessarily that smart. He just surrounds himself with smart people. This was to set the period for the period piece. This was literally the, I watched it the first time three weeks after he took over Twitter. Mm-hmm. When we were at the peak of everyone starting to realize that the man, the myth that was Elon is really a guy who is surrounded by smart people that have a similar mission as him and they do the main stuff and he's just kind of the figurehead. Yeah. And as you um, learn more about him, you realize, oh, he's actually not that smart. <laughs> so, yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's really funny to see Edward Norton literally embody that to a T. And to know that it was made like a year and a half ago. And in real time, it was doing in the movie what Elon was doing in real life, which was super bizarre. Because, you know, how did Ryan Johnson sort of see that? Or it was serendipitous. Who knows? But mm-hmm. still. Yeah. Um, the cast this time around, I, I've... What's his name? Uh, I was gonna say John Cena. Uh, oh, Dave Batista. Dave Batista. Dave Batista's yeah. character, I I loved. Yeah, all yeah. the way through. Yeah, he's he's supposed to be this uh men's right men's rights activist who like streams on YouTube and Twitch. Uh, he's basically a like, uh, he's kind of like a Joe Rogan cross with an Alex Jones, but also a little sure. more um subdued in some way like he's not to that level i don't, I don't know if you'd call him subdued he's he has a gun holster in his banana hammock you know he's yeah that's true he's not subdued at all up. i guess he's a little more subdued than alex jones he's more of a joe a little more extreme than joe rogan yeah mm-hmm. that's probably the best way oh i guess when i said oh, alex I jones i'm like he wasn't cool. saying like you know the frogs will turn you gay or whatever that famous alex jones obviously lie quote is but he wasn't you know <laughs> he wasn't that extreme but he wasn't yeah. my man eater yeah Let's see. Do you have anything that you want to touch on? Uh, I think the biggie was just the Elon thing. Like the parallels just really blew me away just knowing that that Ryan Johnson had that much of a finger on the pulse that he was able to sort of predict that would happen. And obvious, like I said, obviously it's a coincidence. It happened exactly at the right time. But um, right. 
you know. Especially because I think this movie was supposed to release earlier, wasn't it? I think originally it was at some point, yeah. So, yeah. So that's just super funny. But, um, no, I think overall, like, in terms of spoilers, I will, uh, the thing I was saying where I was like, oh, if when I watched it back the second time and how, like, I appreciate it on a whole nother level, like, there are multiple lines and multiple things where they say something and then they cut to Janelle Monae. And mm-hmm. when you watch it the first time, you think she's the character you're supposed to think she is. When you watch right. it the second time, the cut and the line make exactly the same amount of sense knowing who she actually is. Right. And that's really cool that I had that, like, duality to all those moments and mm-hmm. that was very impressive there's not a lot of them there's maybe three or four but like watching it back i just like wow that he he is on the ball like he, is, so, he knows what he's doing and so i i will probably see this another time because because um i think the day after that i saw this movie mm-hmm. or like a day or two after i actually watched knives out with my with my mom uh, mm-hmm. and she loved it she she thought it was fantastic and so I told her like, oh, just by the way, there, there is a there is a new movie in this series, um, which by the way that that reminds me, I have to buy my, I have to buy my mom a, uh, a coffee mug that uh, who who had I guess the 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 patriarch of uh, of the household in in Knives Out he had a coffee mug that I think said like my mug my coffee my rules or like my house my coffee my rules and yeah that's my, I, my mom, you, I haven't seen knives out in a little while but that sounds vaguely familiar yeah, yeah and my and my mom saw that and she's like i need a coffee cup like that so i think I'm, <laughs> i might pick that up for her but uh but i will see this movie again what i'm interested i'm interested in and you can just tell me right away i i, I don't really yeah, care sure, sure. is is when uh blanc is revealing revealing edward norton's character to be the uh to be the killer of uh, Dave Bautista's character. Um, if before it's revealed, okay. So I know what you're gonna say did they, when they switch the glasses. When they switch the glasses, is that in the cor- in the first in when yeah, we is that first correctly see it, shown? Yeah, is it is it? Are we so exactly here's shown? What's funny about that? Uh-huh. I don't remember. <laughs> um, okay, no, what happens? So I remember. That, I'm saying there. What do in my in my in my uh, rewatch? But I do remember. I was sitting there, like we're sitting there at. My fiance's mom's house and watching it. And right when it happens, someone goes, oh, he switched the glasses. The glasses were switched. Uh-huh. But I don't remember if he switched it in a way that – because they didn't think what then unfolded was what was going to happen. So I'm like, did they show it differently? Like I was like, okay, yeah, they noticed the glass switch. But I didn't know what way they switched, and I think that might have changed. I'm not sure. Right, so I guess I guess if, if you don't care about spo- – I mean if you don't care about spoilers and you're listening to this – if you're still here, yeah. uh, thank you. Um, <laughs> but the way that the way that it is is it's uh, Dave Batista's character drinks from a glass and he he dies. Um, yes. Uh, because he what what did, what does he say that that is brought back up? Uh, oh, pineapple. the um, uh, he doesn't dance with with uh, exactly lemon? yeah like, lemon? like pineapple. I, I don't dance. I don't dance with pineapple or or something. It was, yeah, he it says it. What, what's his character's name? Because he says it. Duke don't Duke, dance with pineapple. Duke don't dance with pineapple. Yeah, yes, that's, that's yeah, yeah. such a such a great line. It is. It really is. Um, but it is explained that he Edward Norton's character says that he, oh he accidentally picked up my cup, right? Yeah. And then you see Dave Bautista's character accidentally picking up the cup instead of his own cup. So what they do uh, – okay, it's coming back to me a little. What they do show is when Edward Norton puts it down, he puts it over on 
Batista's side or he hands it to him or something. Like there is yes, a it, swap. Because the, re- the reveal is he gives it to Batista. And I is think Edward that's Norton's character Indian... gives it to Batista. But when we are originally seeing that shot, because yeah, does he? Does he actually do that? I mean, someone, like I said, I think her, my fiance's mom shot out like the glass or someone was like, those glasses were switched, but I didn't actually like pay that much attention to if they shot it in the same way or if it was like, I think they showed it. I think they did. Hmm. But I think they did Which with like a sleight be... of hand thing, but I don't remember exactly how. Cause I mean, someone called it out that I was watching with us. Gotcha. So clearly something was visible, but I don't know if they show the switch in the same way where it's clear that like Edward Norton's character is like, hey, I'm going to give you my drink or if it's like, as opposed more to like, oh, him sitting next to each other, and yeah, exactly, because that's because that's, that's I mean. when, it's, yeah, so, so yeah, and there's a couple of times where where stuff like that happens where by the end of the movie they can't really, uh, do anything to Edward Norton's character because they just don't have the proof, right? Uh, they don't they don't have the evidence to actually like prove that mm-hmm. you know he did all this stuff, um, which it was that scene. Of uh, of Duke getting the wrong glass, or I guess the right glass in Edward Norton's the character's case. Right. Which what is his name's? What, what's his I, name? I, uh, totally uh, I was about to say Byron, but that was made for love, which a different fake billionaire who is also weird. Um, I don't remember. I don't remember. Elon. Let's just call whatever. him Hulk. Let's just call him Hulk. Hulk. He played sure. Hulk once. Bruce Banner. <laughs> um, yeah. And I I forgot, but they they did it a couple of other times. Um, but I, I, where it's like, huh, did we actually see what, but, but Blanc is Miles. saying happened? Miles, Braun. Miles, Miles Dyson. That's why I, Braun, right? Dyson's a real brand. Braun. Miles Braun? What, who's Miles, Miles Dyson? Uh, well, Dyson makes Braun. vacuums. Miles, <laughs> like high no, Miles vacuums. Dyson is a character <laughs> in the sci-fi franchise Terminator. Oh, okay. Yeah. Miles Braun is knives out. I mean, glass onion. Oh my God. These names. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Miles Braun. Yeah. You're right, Miles Braun. Um, yeah, there's a there's a couple of other times where, like I said, Blanc is explaining what happened, um, which which contradicts what uh, Edward Norton is saying happened. Right, and which reality did we initially see? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, so yeah. that that'll be interesting to watch on a second time with my mom, and we'll see. Yeah, uh, I can't believe I didn't look for those as much. I was more like, oh, what camera shots are good? Like, hint at what Janelle really is, mm-hmm. which was like totally in retrospect the wrong way to watch. I should have watched for the the hints of how Norton's guilty. I mean, excuse me, Miles Braun is Bruce Banner is guilty. Right. I was focusing um, on the, the other twist. Uh, I think the ending is a little too. I guess clean. I couldn't. I couldn't. No, I couldn't. I couldn't suspend my. Uh, it's a little too well, Hollywood. A little too clean. It's a little too clean. Like they blow up the glass onion, which uh, for the glass onion is Miles Bronze's. Uh, uh, what would you call it? His uh, not his house. It's his like island retreat. His his vacation home, sort of. Sort of. Uh, it's more than compound. a vacation. It's, it's it's like it's a compound, compound kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah the, the glass onion is is this beautiful compound that he has. And they blow it up with them inside of it, and everybody survives? Yeah, that was a little, yeah. What was also funny to me was, so he has this compound, and he does all this stuff, and then he has that oh. random side character who lives there and does nothing except be there. And that, 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 that was that an was interesting funny. red hair, that, kind of. I, I, but, really liked, I really liked yeah. that. Yeah, I never really assumed that he was a red herring. I just thought that, like, oh, he's just going to be this running gag. 
The only time I thought it was a red herring, I mostly thought it was a red gag. The only time was when they were running around in the dark about halfway through. The power, the lights go out. They're not sure who's where. I thought they were going to do kind of, I don't know if it'd be a fake out or a real thing, but that he would startle someone into doing something. Oh, gotcha. Which he never did. He was never even in that scene. But it's just like, oh, they're saying up to have this guy that's like around who could cause mm-hmm. more chaos. But he didn't even do that. He's a red herring even at that level. And yeah, he I think was just kind of like, there. <laughs> I think he had like four total scenes. Yeah. Maybe yeah. three. Well, which was um, at the end. So if I remember yeah. correctly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but aside from that, yeah, that's uh, unless you have anything more. No, to say. that's that's about it. It's a fun movie. It's yeah, I'm really looking like forward to movie. the third one, both to see how he tackles what we were saying before. But just because like he's good at what he does. You know, he brought back Who murder mysteries. <laughs> who's a who's an actor or actress that you would want to see in a third movie? Oh, that that's a good question. Um, hmm. I honestly wouldn't mind if they did the Muppet spin-off thing that's been joked about online. Like Netflix has even joked about it now. Like I'd be oh, okay really? with that. But um like their Tadum blog or whatever, um, their like uh-huh. fan blog that they run, um, made a whole article about like what if the Muppets But that's a really good question. Cause I think what I think what he does well is he finds people that have comedic chops, but he doesn't find comedians. You know yeah, I mean? like I'm I'm so, thinking like knives knives out Tony Collette. Yeah, like he's all he gets like right under like the big name comedian or triple A actor thing where like Edward Norton's huge, Dave Bautista's huge, but like he gets people that you don't expect to necessarily fit those roles to fit them as well as they do. Yeah, like um uh once again knives out um what's his name? He played Zod in Oh, uh, uh yeah, Michael Red um Michael, Michael Shannon. Mike, yeah, Michael Shannon. Yeah. Michael Shannon. And, you know, Zod is this very intense character. It's this very mm-hmm. intense villain mm-hmm. of Superman. And he's hilarious in, yeah. in yeah. Knives Out. And that that's one of the fun things is, like, as you're – it's almost like as you're, like, discovering the, the – not really discovering. As you're discovering the clues for mystery, you're discovering, like, all these actors that you don't expect to be in these roles actually kill it. Because like, even, yeah, even like Chris um, Evans to a degree, like, when they mm-hmm. had him – when they trot him out as a surprise in Knives Out and they never even promote he was in it. He like ate up every scene he was in. Like, like it was. He nailed uh-huh. it. Yeah. So I'd, I'd love to see him do more surprise. I don't know if I have a specific actor, but the idea of like unexpected people on the roles, I'd I'd be very much for. It. Yeah. I think. I think honestly, the person that I would probably want, even though even though she has been in in comedies before, is actually, and we talked about her a little bit. Uh, Frances McDormand. Oh, I would actually yeah, like to actually, see in, that would work. Yeah, in the in the but, next one. But she like walks that line well enough that you don't think of her as a comedian. So if you put her in there and she has a funnier character, it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Like she's been in comedies. Like Edward Norton's been in stuff that's probably been funny. Kate Hudson yeah. has been in like rom coms and they're all in that. So or like in, someone someone that yeah. like Jessica Chastain. Has Jessica Chastain ever been in a comedy? I don't know if straight up a comedy now. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like someone like that would yeah. be good or like um anyone that's done like that's leaning more towards Davis. like I don't know, dude. Some someone that yeah, just like something much like that. Like a drama. Yeah, or mm-hmm. like because even like I feel like Tarantino has a good sense of that too. Like when he would cast people to have some kind of wackier moments in his movies that you wouldn't expect. Like I keep thinking sure. of like, or actually, you know a good example? I wouldn't say Tarantino. What's that movie like the the Reading Goat the the movie about like teaching goats to read? Oh, what's it called? Uh, there's some the movie Men's that Brad Pitt. The, 
the men who starry goats yeah maybe that i think it's that but um if i remember correctly brad pitt was in it and actually was like really funny in it and at that point i didn't really think of him as like a funny actor and then tarantino kind of leaned in that a little with once upon a time in hollywood as well well the the one that you might be thinking of is burn after reading yes it's burn after reading thank you thank you burn Burn after reading which is another uh fred's mcdormand movie oh that's funny i didn't make that connection Mm -hmm. yeah you're right but yeah like that sort of like yeah that's the speed i'm thinking here for the next one yeah um, yeah cool yeah well maybe, i think maybe that's it yeah yeah so that's one of our longer that. episodes and that's with only two of us so yeah, really for... angel stay in japan it's okay we love you dude angel like... stay dead um <laughs> yeah we, we love you but you're welcome to stay there um and we'll just I, he's gonna nerding. he's gonna come back and he's, he's gonna be like all right yeah, he's gonna come back and be like, well, "That's fine. I, I have other stuff I can do. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just never podcast again." <laughs> no, actually, Uh-oh. we do need him back for the next episode. Snapback, our yeah, podcast in a podcast, because we got we got Marvel Snap talk about now that I understand all the words you were saying. Mm-hmm. In past episodes. Cool. Um, crap. I don't have any housekeeping stuff. For me, I can do but, it. Uh, go you for me it. To do it. All right. So. You know where to find us if you're listening to this. I hope we are on all the podcasting apps, including the very one you're listening to, presumably. Uh, so you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, uh, and our YouTube is at Ram Nintendo. It's so nice I don't say com anymore. But yes, our handle is now at Ram Nintendo, which is also our Twitter handle. What a coincidence. Um, and individually, I'm JSR7. Kevin is KVN Gomi. Angel, if you wish to send him... Uh, well wishes or your thoughts um, and prayers yeah there we go your thoughts and prayers if you wish to send um fond memories you have of his life now that he's passed on to japan uh you can find him at w-e-i-r-o underscore o where he weirdly is not tweeting anything from japan i would be going crazy sharing stuff but yeah but that's you that's i know the, i know the kind of it's never been he, he used to tweet more he even acknowledged at the start of the year he hasn't tweeted as much lately on twitter he said it which is i guess the place to say it but, um, yeah, so hopefully we'll get some good stories from him when he gets back in the next episode. I definitely want to hear about that Kirby Cafe he went to. It looked super cool. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, that's about it. So I'll kick cool. it back and to with you, that, Kevin. Cool. And with that, Jason, I know you just said a bunch of words. <laughs> Give us the final one. I like how we're just – my final thought is I like how we're just ping-ponging who has to say things for the last, like, three minutes. Like, we haven't had any actual conversation except telling each other to talk. So chew on that, people, and some good barbecue. We'll see you next time.